This is Unfiltered, Episode 71, for October 16th, 2013. What about Obamacare? I mean, you all seem to loathe it, yet it, yeah, remains, said, it remains intact. Yeah, absolutely. And I said that all along. You cannot defund Obamacare. And I, that's what Karl Rove was saying, what the Wall Street Journal was saying, what Charles Brodhammer was saying. It was always a fool's errand to follow Ted Cruz in thinking that somehow, by shutting the government down, we could defund Obamacare. This week's episode of Unfiltered, the United States of America is licking her wounds from another self-inflicted crisis, and while lawmakers pretend to save the day with a last-minute deal, we'll discuss the big picture and ask if real long-term damage has been done. And then, seven high-ranking military officers have been fired by Obama, a first in U.S. history. One thing they all have in common is their combat roles. We'll dig into the conspiracy bacon that's been exploding all over the net. Plus, it's our follow-up, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome to Unfilter, episode 71 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody out there. Well, you know, I may not have a job at Microsoft, uh, and I received a letter in the mail today for emergency unemployment uh, <laughs> compensation. Ooh, big day. However, I do have one job. What's that? This! Ding, ding. Whoa, ow. Oh, sorry. Whoa, Whoa. sorry. Sorry. Whoa. Sorry. I was really eager. Right out of the gate. I was really eager. This is what happens when I give him a bell, everyone. Well, this is what happens. Well, I don't have a job. So this yeah. is my only job. And we're all. Is we're, to push this button. We're both a little uh, jacked up because we've been live for uh, a little bit over an hour now covering right. the uh, vote as it's happening in the Senate and now in the Lots House. Lots of bunny sex. And, well, see, this is, this is people didn't listen to the supporter show. I have no idea what you're talking I know. about. I, have, I know. And uh, oh, President Obama came on and, you know, basically gave us a speech yeah. to say, well, I'm going to give you another speech. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what that speech was. Lots of bunniness. Uh, so we're going to cover where, where we've been over the last couple of days since we have convened and where we're at now. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting look into the the, uh, po- the inner working politics of America. America. But it's been a big week for NSA news and is perdition, edit, per tradition you know, here on the by, Unfiltered by, Show, By Chase. the way, Chris, I got to say, I'm yeah. very happy that yeah. it's still in the news. I'm very happy it is, isn't that it? it is still, you know, our news cycle, at least here in the States, I, I know it might be similar in other parts of the world, is what happens. Cyclical. Like it's, it's, you have a week. Yeah. About a week, yeah. maybe two weeks if it's a um, real juicy story. Well, I mean, actually, though, look at this uh, This shutdown thing's been going for like three weeks. I know. They, mil- they milked the heck out of it. Well, it, but as predicted, the, well, last What's great about the NSA ones is like, despite all of their best efforts, it's yeah. still coming out. Yeah, that's true. Now, the mainstream media was was completely taken taken away by the whole shutdown thing. We didn't. I don't have any clips from mainstream media coverage of NSA stuff, but that doesn't mean stuff didn't happen. No, that's true. So um, one of the things that was big is we haven't seen 
Edward Snowden since that original like Guardian video interview that he did back when what's, it broke. What's he up to? What's what's he doing? Oh, you know, getting prizes and stuff. Uh, WikiLeaks actually released a video of Edward Snowden on uh, Friday. Release well, tonight with new video of Edward Snowden out of Moscow. This is the first video we're seeing of Edward Snowden since his Guardian interview that coincided with the first of the NSA re- revelations leaked back in June. What you're seeing here is video released by WikiLeaks uh, of Edward Snowden receiving the Sam Adams Integrity Award, which he received in Moscow just two days ago. Uh, Snowden spoke at the award ceremony about government transparency. Have a listen. This is about a trend in the relationship between the governing and the government in America that is coming increasingly into conflict with what we expect as a free and democratic people. If we can't understand the policies and programs of our government, we cannot grant our consent in regulating them. As someone very clever said recently, uh, we don't have an oversight problem because we have an undersight We don't have an oversight problem. We have an undersight problem. It's kind of hard, obviously, because they're just using a room mic on like some sort of cell cam. Another thing that's interesting, too, is uh, those words that he was saying there. He's doing it at a dinner table. He's sitting down. He's not like at a podium. Right. Yeah. He's just talking. Yeah. He's just talking to friends. Snowden then went on to talk more about the dangers to democracy. We have an executive the Department of Justice that's unwilling to prosecute high officials who lied to Congress and the country on camera, but they'll stop at nothing to persecute someone who told them the truth. And that's a fundamentally dangerous thing to democracy. You know, his core points here that uh, they go after the whistleblower, they don't go after the person who lied to Congress, uh, you know, without proper information. An educated public can't make the right decision when they vote. These are all points that we've, you know, stressed on the show. And it, it to me, it gives you insight into his true motivations. And again, this isn't some public event. This isn't him at some podium. This isn't him with a press conference. This is him at a dinner table, a quiet, small dinner table with some former whistleblowers and somebody there recording it with their cell phone camera. Um, and I think it's I think it's insightful. Also, this week uh, it came out not a big surprise probably to you, Chase, but the Washington Post reported latest revelations from the Snowden leak shows that the NSA relies on foreign telcos oh, and allied intelligence agencies to scoop up email contact lists and instant messaging buddy lists. So, like, if you sign into an instant messaging service, like Yahoo Instant Messenger, what about Skype? Isn't it, that encrypted though? Anything that. Anything that they can break, if or if it's not encrypted, that transmits a buddy list when you log in, they grab that. Or like if you log into an email service and you download, um, a, a, like a, from an LDAP server, or something like that, your address book, right. they grab that. And on the back end, they're building a private a private social network of connections. They're building like a shadow social network of who you're connected to. Oh. Uh, because all this information is collected. Wait, all they got to do is just go to like Google Plus and they can see who right. Or Facebook, Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, because all this information is collected overseas rather than at home, it's not subject to oversight, quote unquote, uh, of course uh, by FISA or Congress. Uh, there are two um, o- uh, oversight for domestic intelligence. They, they, they only oversight domestic intelligence. So by the way, uh, TechDirt had a great piece on this. These latest revelations have shown that... Uh, Really, Congress only has oversight over the NSA of things they ask them, i.e., so the intelligence committee that Dianne Feinstein sits on and uh, Mike Rogers, where they sit there and they vehemently defend the intelligence communities, mm-hmm. they are not provided very much more, according to this TechDirt article, than what we get in public. And the only time they are provided more is if they ask them a direct question. So they say it turns into a game of 20 questions, 
And, uh, and, and, and when uh, Feinstein's office was contacted about this, a senior staffer seemed unconcerned, mentioning that perhaps maybe they could ask some more questions about it. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Chris? Uh, David I... Cameron urges a committee to investigate The Guardian. David Cameron has encouraged oh, Commons to select a committee to investigate whether The Guardian has broken the law or damaged national security by publishing secrets leaked by a- Edward Snowden. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. We didn't have any sound for that, but something we did have some sound well, at for. Least, but at least, though, that they're having a discussion, right? No, I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. Serious? I mean, if, come on, UK. If, they, if, they, if, if Cameron gets his way and they do an investigation and they find nothing was wrong, then maybe that's great for The Guardian. But it also seems like it could drag The Guardian through a bunch of legal hassles for years and slow down their reporting. Uh, well, or is this the United States? I know this is a little conspiracy. Reaching through? Reaching through to, to our UK brethren and saying, hey, you need to make them pay for yeah, what maybe. they've done. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think they have their own motivations to it because they were plenty embarrassed as well. Yeah. Uh, now, the the Guardian uh, journalist who was really the one behind breaking all this, Glenn Greenwald, has some big news. Glenn Greenwald has uh, teamed up with Laura, Laura Poitras. Laura Poitras is the gal who recorded the interview. So uh, with Snowden, she was the one actually filming, and she helped m- get uh, move information around. She's been key in setting up the relationship between Greenwald and Snowden. Right. So Laura Poitras along with Jeremy Shahill, who we've talked about before, are getting together to start a new venture. Glenn Greenwald, the journalist who's broken numerous stories about national security agencies spying using documents from Edward Snowden, has announced he's leaving The Guardian newspaper. In a statement posted on his blog, Greenwald wrote he had been, quote, presented with a once-in-a-career dream journalistic opportunity that no journalist could possibly decline. Reuters reports Greenwald is joining a new media venture funded by eBay founder and multi billionaire Pierre Omidyar. <laughs> so there you go. He's breaking <laughs> off onto his own. He's uh, taking the spotlight and leveraging that. It's yeah. interesting that it's being backed. Uh, so it's being backed by the guy who uh, was behind eBay. And uh, this is kind of interesting because the uh, he uh, the guy that would back to Pierre Odemar, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, but Pierre also has something called the Odemar Network. Now, Pierre is, uh, he's an Iranian um, born. born. Uh, yeah. French-born Iranian, and now he's in like an he's an Iranian American, and, and now he lives in outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, he has the uh, Amidiar, or however you say it, Amidiar Network. It's a Phil. It's a it is an investment firm dedicated to harnessing the power of markets to create opportunity for people to improve their lives. I don't know what that means exactly. It was established in 2004. Uh, by his wife, Pam, the organization invests and helps scale innovative organizations to catalyze an economic, social, and political change. To date, the network has committed more than $270 million to for-profit companies and nonprofit organizations to foster economic advances and encourage individual participation across multiple investment areas, including property rights, government transparency, and social media. So these, these will now be the, this will now be the organization behind funding Greenwald's initiative. His net worth is only eight point seven billion dollars. Mm, is that all? That's it. Is that all? Hey, That's uh, it. hey, Chase. Uh, what do you? How do you feel about uh, stepping into the Situation Room? This is CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and you're in the Situation Room. Wolf, we got some news here in the Situation Room. Army General. Keith Alexander, eight-year tenure is rocked. It's gone. 
by revelations contained in documents leaked by former NSA contractor. Situation. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, this is just coming in now. Uh, That is right. I'm sorry, Wolf. Uh, that is right. Alexander has formalized his plans to leave. What? Yes, that's right. The head of the NSA is out. He'll be leaving by next March or April for civilian duty. Uh, of course, the I agency, when it. reached for contact, said this is already in the plans. It had nothing to do with all of the leaks. Holy shit. But we already knew about it because we've already read the emails and saw the instant messages. <laughs> it's like when the psychic, uh, like, you know, it's like going to the psychic a little bit. Yeah, they, we already knew about that. We read the email. Oh, uh, no, this was uh, the, from the Department of Pre-Crime. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I don't know what to Wolf, make of that. shut up. He's out. I kicked him out. Thanks. I don't know what to make of that other than Alexander's out. And no. also, like, his number two is out, too. It's Both very, of them. It's, it's <laughs> Timing is everything in this world. Trust me. I know. And when you see the timing of this it's, event. It's a little weird, right? Come on. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe. It Maybe is. it's nothing. Maybe we're reading too much into it. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really don't. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Chase, we uh, we right now traditionally would stop and do a, a wait, filter. Wait, Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, this is where people are going to turn, turn off the show. Oh, shoot. Did I just uh, flush away some of no. our... No. Wait, wait. Wait, wait for the finish. Wait. There it is. I just got rid of that floater there, too. <laughs> so I, I wanted to kind of... I, don't I was going to say, be careful, because... People may think that we're going into this. Uh, what uh, you know? People want to know. Follow the money. They, 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 you know, there's like threads on YouTube. Did you see I the? Th- I mean, I don't yeah. care. I don't. You know what? Okay, fine. I don't care. All right, fine. Uh, so listen, <laughs> I want to do something different this week. Uh, I do want to thank our supporters, but I also, if if folks want to help support the show this week, one thing they could do is go over to our show notes. And in the supporter section, we have a link in there for a post that Chase made on the unfiltered subreddit. This was totally. Uh, this is me kind of venting. Uh, the other day, this was this was uh, less than 24 hours ago as we record this. So uh, I've been sharing this story a lot in our supporter show of my trek to become gainfully employed, and I was a finalist. Uh, a, I could talk about this now. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, uh, I know there's a lot of you out there who dislike. Microsoft and and uh, Xbox 360, and I'm not here to get into a war between uh, Xbox One and PS4. I will tell you, as a gamer, I am picking up both uh, consoles. Uh, however, uh, I'm really excited for the Xbox One, and there, you, if you want to pick my brain about those thoughts, there's a uh, there's ways that you can do that. So, so you were going for yeah. a gig in the Xbox One area of Microsoft, yeah, which I is would, pretty exciting for you. Uh, for those gamers who know, I would be working with. I would have been uh, working with uh, Major Nelson and the entire Xbox team to help, uh, you know, talk about gaming and, and Xbox, right? And, and just share the word and, and engage the community. So this was like a three-month-long endurance process. So yeah, he uh, he posted for this position back on August first. He uh, he made a video and he asked he had a blog post and he asked people out there, hey, you know, I, I'm looking for two people to help join my team and create awesome. And so I went ahead and. You know, I jumped on board, and honestly, I, I didn't think I would get that far in the process. I, I would figure that a, there's a lot of great, talented people out there that would make it a lot farther than I would. And here I am, a finalist. I am, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a top five finalist, and mm-hmm. I actually interviewed on campus two weeks ago, two weeks ago to the day. Uh, at at the campus in Redmond. And what's funny is you got there and you called me and you said, "Oh my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody!" And I said, "I did not say that. 
I said, it's Major Nelson, everybody. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't call Chris. So Because I knew um, he would play that over the phone, and I would lose it in the lobby. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So now where are we at? So, um, so I found out a couple of days ago that Microsoft uh, had decided uh, to go on with another candidate. And they also informed me that they had decided at this time not to fill the other position and, uh, rework, double whammy. and rework the role. Uh, so, so basically, um, I am, I'm back to where I started. Now, uh, a lot of people may be wondering my motives and sharing this with you. Um, and the reason is pretty simple. It, it was really because of community and, you know, my communities and, you know, obviously with Jupiter Broadcasting and Geek Gamer TV, there's been a lot of cross-pollination lately. And it was really thanks to community to, to keep everybody informed. I've been keeping uh, the supporter show uh, peoples informed. I've been leaking bits and pieces during the main show about it. And so uh, that's why I'm sharing. And um, so I didn't get the job. And over these, I've been unemployed now for the past four months, and, and, and Chris has known me a lot longer than that. And, you know, he knows my, my skill set. He knows what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's kind of wild, really. It's very wild. I think I mentioned it before. It, it is weird <laughs> yeah. to watch it happen because I think it is um, it is truly like watching what's happening on a, on a, on a larger scale. Yeah. You have fully qualified people. Um, who have uh, you have extensive experience in the IT industry? You also have experience in the broadcast and internet field. So it's yeah. like you have a full range of competencies as well as long tenure at at well respected companies. So yeah. it's like you've got a resume. That- I I spent ten years with the Nielsen TV ratings company. I I worked in many positions within that organization, and like a lot of companies, you know, they got thinner and meaner and thinner and meaner and. Some of it probably is due to obviously loopholes and tax exemptions, and a lot of companies are taking advantage of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, not to, not to poke fingers at anybody. A lot of companies, you know, what it comes down to is obviously their bottom line and their shareholders, and you know that's that's the way it works right now. So to come back full circle to to the unfiltered subreddit, you know, every week at the end of the show, if you guys make it that far, hopefully you do, I make a prediction. Uh, to how many uh, people we're going to have jump on that Reddit uh, subreddit that week, and I, I mean, I've, I, I someone needs to go back and look because I, think, like, I don't think we I don't think we've had a record that hasn't been broken yet. Right, right, yeah. Um, so right now I'm on an incredible streak. My predictions have been solid, and but I was very moody <laughs> yesterday. Um, I was I was upset uh, just because of the fact that you know obviously I didn't get the gig which to me Chris you know it wasn't about money uh, it was about doing something that I truly enjoy oh yeah and I'd get paid as a side effect uh, but it was it was it was like hey this is something that I felt like I was building up to mm-hmm. it didn't happen and, and so I decided to reach out and, and kind of tell people uh, about myself in non-unfiltered terms, just kind of give people a, a general background and and tell people, I mean, about me. And really to put a call out and say, you know, if you have ties to the Washington area, you know a place that's looking for a qualified person. Yeah. there's a, You have the contact information. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I put it out there. You can, uh, I have an about.me page. Uh, you can also email, email me directly, uh, chase at geekgamer.tv. Um, the other thing too is you know in looking at some of these great uh, comments, and I gotta say you know you guys have, have definitely embraced me, and and I do appreciate that tremendously. Um, you know I uh, I mean one guy here, uh, Anonymous, <laughs> nice name, 
Uh, I did look at arena.net. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those positions I'm I'm not skilled for. I'm not a I'm not a programmer. I'm not a developer or an art artist or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, but the one job that I am here's the weird thing. The one job that I am kind of qualified for <laughs> yeah, is yeah. is for quality assurance is a contract position. Right. Right. And that's a very that's, dangerous kind of position, especially because if you have unemployment that's on a tenuous basis as it is. Right. Right. But, yeah. yeah. And so talking about timing, uh. t- talking about timing today. Um, I, I received a letter in the mail from the state of Washington letting me know that my unemployment is about to run out mm. and I need to apply for emergency unemployment co- uh, compensation. So here's what I'm going to ask you, uh, you Chris, uh, since you got the red book in front of you okay. perfectly. All right. I can't make this prediction. I'm not allowed to because it's about me. All right. Okay. I've been I've been trying. Uh, you know, I have a, a stack of paper over an inch and a half thick of all the places that I've applied to. A lot yeah. of people, by the way, also by the way, I did not put all my eggs in the Microsoft basket. Okay, and no, I have not. I'm looking at the chat room as we record this. No, I have not signed up for healthcare.gov, and the reason being is because hello I, everybody, I don't know what my income's going to be. <laughs> I can't put the numbers into their calculator. Thank you. The more you know. I can't put my numbers into the calculator because I have no idea how much money I'm going to make. So what's the prediction you want me to make? Uh, in regards to my employment. Oh, that's hard. I know. But you know what? You've been good on the streak lately, and I want this one to be true. Well, see, if it was me, and this is uh, – uh, if it was me, I'd say – gosh, you know, we got some good companies here in Washington, right? I mean, well, I mean – a lot of guys, uh, I mean, let you guys know, I mean, I, I am, I'm technically savvy. I'm uh, gaming oriented, but I, I don't have to have a job in the gaming industry. I'd love to be in that industry. Uh, but, I mean, just looking at our big tech companies, you got Microsoft, I Amazon, Nintendo, Can I get Valve. a best case and a worst case? You can do both. All right. So this, this is the Red Book prediction of my, of my f- short-term life right now. Best case is end of November. Okay. Okay. All right. End of November is best case. Now, here's why. Because uh, everybody needs a little downtime, Chase. Yeah. And uh, you worked a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, worst case is uh, if that pushes into mid-December, then you get the holiday gridlock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I'm going to say mid-January. If uh, yeah. So I'm going to say through – that means through Christmas, so prepare yourself mentally for that. Yeah, I know. So my worst case is mid-January, and I'm writing that in the red book. All right. right fair good. And I'm going to hit the bell for that. All right. There we go. go. So right. if uh, you know anybody that has uh, connections in the Washington area and want to prove me wrong and shorten that so that way I have an off streak on the prediction – Go over to unfilter.reddit.com, and we also have that uh, linked in the show notes. Yeah, and by the way, you guys, uh, you know, feel free to connect up with me. Uh, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I, I really don't uh, discriminate. I try to keep Facebook to, to personal friends. I really try to. But on, on the other platforms, you can definitely connect That's with for me. the NSA. You let, you let them have those private connections. All right, will you help me uh, bounce the uh, supporters here? So I'll start uh, Jonas H. Oh, hold and on. Then, let me, i got to get the list up. All right. Well, and then, well, see, I was going to try to get, make go. you I'm do good. this. All right, you do that second one. <laughs> oh, I got it. It's easy. Chubatri. Okay, Chubatri J. Uh, now, uh, uh, <laughs> go. Severino M. One uh, O. David M. Blake R. ringing in at 1333. Nice. Jacob M. Edward. Thomas R. Brendan B. at 1333. William B. Matthew H. with only one T. Uh, Patrick 
S with a Y. Stephen underscore M and Jacob S. That brings us to 207 unfiltered supporters. Yes, and thanks to you, yeah. you guys are awesome. You know, and uh, you guys know the drill. Uh, we're not going to give you the whole spiel this week because we wanted to focus yep. on Chase's situation. So uh, thank you, everybody who signed up. A lot of people enjoyed the bonus of, uh, supporter show. I think that's why we got a fantastic showing. By the way, that 207 is after I purged a whole bunch of the cancelers. So that's wow. a strong 207. So, so, so that is a legit that's a, that, solid 207. That, that is a solid 207. And uh, if you have any... Uh, nice. if Also, by the way, if you have any subscription issues, if you haven't gotten your newsletter or anything like that, email Angela at jupiterbroadcasting.com. And uh, I will play one clip because it's pretty interesting. And it's a good reminder why the Unfilter show was um, important through the entire it, Syria com- no. Uh, conflict. No, it's not oh, that bad. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, it's just like... I thought it was going to be one of those entertainment no, no. updates. No, this is like, <sighs> a, le- this is like a legitimate 100%. This is why you need unbiased community-funded media. Public Accountability Initiative has revealed many purported experts who made the case for military strikes on Syria in the mainstream media had undisclosed ties to military contractors. The report identifies 12 commentators with industry ties, that 22 commentators with industry ties that suggest a financial interest in war. While they appeared on TV or were quoted as experts 111 times, their links to military firms were disclosed only 13 times. The study highlights the case of Stephen Hadley, a former national security advisor to President George W. Bush, who spoke on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News and Bloomberg TV and wrote a Washington Post op-ed urging U.S. strikes on Syria. In none of those appearances was it disclosed that Hadley serves as director of Raytheon, the company that makes the Tomahawk cruise missiles widely touted as the weapon of choice for bombing Syria. Hadley earns more than $128,000 a year in compensation from Raytheon and holds more than 11,000 shares of Raytheon stock, which rocketed to an all-time high during the Syria debate. Yeah, so uh, the report uh. identifies 22 commenter- commenters in total with industry ties that suggest they have financial interest in the war. Uh, while they appeared on television and were quoted as experts 111 times, their links to military firms were only disclosed 13 of those times. And I want to encourage you, uh, I have a link to that in the show notes and it's powerful to watch the video because they show picture after picture after picture of the Raytheon CEO on the news, after, on every network, what, what everywhere. What do I always say on this show? What is my new catchphrase? Follow the money. Follow it. And see, when Linux King in the chat room says Unfilter is, un, is not unbiased, well, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't really want to make an argument in terms of political bias because I think that's a lost cause and a waste of time. I'm talking about money bias, Right. All of these people, all of these companies, why why do they bring these experts on? Why do they do that? Because those are the people that are paying them. They are the customer, not you. Where you are the customer here on our show. And that's why we do it this way. And that's what keeps us honest. That's right. All right, Chase, let's move into the shutdown. I think to fully appreciate at this point, as we record the show, uh, the votes are taking place. It's officially coming to an end. Yeah, the, the votes have already passed in the Senate. Mm-hmm. So as I record this now, the, the it is now shifted to the House. I was, uh, I was just uh, checking the the late breaking newsy tweets. Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, uh, you were you were expecting an update? No. Oh, uh, by the way, yeah. Uh, this is kind of late breaking news. Uh, okay. Democrats have gained back their fifty five seat majority in the U S. Senate as Cory Booker wins a special election. Uh, so right now, he, they, so you know what that that's significant because that prevents any kind of filibustering. And stuff. So, 
I think to fully appreciate where we have arrived now, I want to document the last couple of days. So this show is oh, unique. Take us back memory lane. <laughs> I was telling Chase uh, before we got on air, it's kind of funny because um, a lot of times I clip all week long. And I actually did clip. It's funny. All the clips in this show, except for the shutdown stuff, I clipped before today. And then today I had to wait till midday before I clipped anything because the story, anything I clipped before the noon today would have been irrelevant by the time noon rolled around. I mean, right. it, the yeah. story was changing so incredibly fast. So to fully appreciate where we've been in just the last 48 hours or so, I want to uh, back up a little bit and give you an example of how the media really began ramping up the pressure in the last couple of days. Good evening. This was to be expected as the hour nears, but a major credit agency has put the credit rating of the United States of America on a negative ratings watch. Just last night, we came on the air reporting that hopes were high for a deal. Things were moving. That collapsed today in a pile of noise and hurt feelings in Washington. The government has been shut down for 15 days. The debt ceiling deadline is just over 24 hours away now. The world is watching and the financial markets are clearly watching and profiles in courage are in short supply tonight in Washington. We have it all covered beginning again tonight with the sorry state of affairs in Congress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just cut him right there. It is a very sorry state of affairs. And then, of course, uh, China's, China's uh, officials went to the media to sort of try to put on their version of the pressure. One oh. of the biggest losers in a U.S. default would be China. BBC. Have a look at this. The U.S. debt is more than $16 trillion. $5 trillion of that the government owes to itself in the form of bonds, which leaves nearly $12 trillion held by investors. China owns $1.3 trillion of that debt. Seth Doan is in Beijing, where there was a sharp reaction today to a possible U.S. default. Seth? Good evening to you, Scott. China's investment oh, in U.S. Genius. debt is made Derp. at the highest levels of the Communist Party here and managed far from public view. But Xinhua, the state news agency, made a very public and scathing commentary saying that this U.S. debt crisis should prompt a, quote, de-Americanized world, meaning that the U.S. dollar should not be at the center of the world economy. What that commentary did not say, but some have speculated might be behind it, is that China's currency could one day play that role. Yeah. Seth, thank you very much. Not yet. They're a, they're a ways off from that, and they have plenty of issues themselves. However, there are a lot of big interests now who are starting to feel that way, and I think... This is the long-term damage here, is this little political show we are doing over and over again shows everybody that it is too risky to bet on the United States. And these other people are becoming too rich to let us have this kind of dysfunction. Like, it's not the same world it was 30 years ago. No. And there are other powers up and coming. Follow the money. Exactly. All they're, the they're, money. It, we, at some point, we will just become too much of a risk for them. So, uh, so we have, uh, you know, we have NBC calling it a clown show. We have the Chinese media coming out and saying the U.S. need to get its act together, and of course, CBS has to jump on that. And then NBC sits down their expert for C from CNBC and says, "What happens if we default?" Andrew, the public is now aware they're playing with fire mm -hmm. and they're playing with company money, yep. our money. Uh, what happens if this happens? If this happens, we are the 2008 financial crisis will look like child's play if we actually go into extra innings. If we default or even if we really get close to the possibility of default, all of our costs are going to skyrocket. People are going to no longer believe 
that we are good for the money, which means that if we are, if someone's going to loan you a dollar and they don't think you're going to pay back when you think you're, they're going to get payback, they're going to charge you more for that risk. And that's going to impact everything. It's going to impact how much money the country has. A one percentage point increase is $120 billion cost annually. That's money that's no longer going to go towards goods and services for the taxpayers. It's going to go towards interest payments. Your mortgage payment will go up. That's what we're talking about here. And it will be global. So they're pretty it's pretty ramped up at this point. And uh, what's interesting about this is uh, going into the weekend, it looked like the Senate, uh, which it was so awesome because it was totally my prediction. I said over the weekend, the Senate will pull it out and everybody will say, oh, look, the you big thought, kids got you together. You thought it was going to get done by Monday, though. I did. Well, so what happened on over the weekend? The Senate said, all right, we're going to fix it. And then on Monday, the House said, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we're supposed to control the purse strings. We got this. We're going to do it right. We'll get this taken care of. And then at the last minute, it fell apart. Well, it turns out there was a little bit of maybe uh, an organization called the Heritage Foundation behind that. This memo from a conservative think tank in Washington said to be the reason described for the House abandoning plans for a vote on a debt deal from Republican leaders. Heritage Action for America urging Republicans to vote no on that proposal because it did not do enough to stop Obamacare. Mike. So, of course, uh, it, that puns it down to, to today is where we ended up. And then at the last minute, the uh, 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 Senator Reid goes to the floor. Fox News alert. Uh, Fox News alert. I want to bring you back to the Senate floor where we understand it's back in action. Senator Reid had taken just a moment to wait for Senator McConnell. So let's go ahead and listen into what Senator Reid has to say. Senator? The world. And while they lost a great deal of political discord, today they will also see Congress reach a historic bipartisan agreement to reopen the government and avert a default on the nation's bills. I'm going to go ahead and play the, mo- the bulk of his clip because I think it's interesting to listen to the words and we're going to kind of compare what they all say. The compromise we reached will provide our economy with the stability it desperately needs. It's never easy for two sides to reach consensus. It's really hard, Aww. sometimes harder than others. Aww. This time was really hard. Aww. But after weeks spent facing off across a partisan divide that often seemed too wide to cross, our country came to the brink of a disaster. But in the end, political adversaries set aside their differences and disagreements to prevent that disaster. I thank the Republican leader for his diligent efforts to reach this important agreement. The Republican leader's cooperation was essential to reach an accord that could pass both chambers of Congress and also be signed by President Obama. As part of our agreement, in order to assure Congress continues the work of setting this country on a path of fiscal sustainability, this legislation instructs leaders to name conferees to a budget conference committee that will set our country on a long-term path to fiscal sustainability. So we're <clears throat> going to have a committee. Okay. Uh, Patty Murray's going to be on it. You're uh, oh, your, uh, buddy. Our buddy. <laughs> she's, she's from here, too. Madam President, I know that some say that's going to be hard. But what we do is hard here, and this is really hard, but I think we can get it done. Ah. <sighs> Falling asleep, Chris. The committee members selected must have open minds, be willing to consider every option, no matter how painful to their own political ideas and even their own political parties. This conference committee, led by Chairman Murray and Chairman Ryan, which will produce its negotiated budget resolution in December, is the appropriate place to discuss our differing views 
of the best way to chart a course for economic growth. This legislation also funds the government through January 15th and averts default through February 7th, during which time we can work toward a long-term budget agreement that prevents these frequent crises. And perhaps most importantly, this legislation ends a standoff to ground the work of Washington to a halt this fall. So there you go. So that's Reed's take. So we got a committee. Now, <clears throat> I know this is rough, but I'm working on a point here. Uh, so then McConnell uh, gets the floor. I'll play a little Mitch. bit of him. Madam President. The Republican leader. Yeah. This has been a long, challenging few weeks I need some for people. Congress and for the country. I need some drugs. It's my hope that today we can put some of those most urgent issues behind us. So one of the things I want to point out is both, and I watch this live, both of them are reading from uh, written statements for them uh, on the podium, and they're flipping the page as they read. You can sometimes hear them flip the page. Um <clears throat> You know, neither one of them are really given it that much of a go, but they're old guys. And uh, they, th- what, what McConnell is about to lay out here is sort of the talking points, the save face talking points now that, uh, that the Republican side is going to go with. So we just heard Reid lay out the, the playing points for uh, the Democrat side. Now Reid's laying them out for the Republican side. So listen to what he says because you've got to turn those into the catchphrases we're now going to be hearing all over the media. After yesterday's events, the majority leader and I began a series of conversations about a way to get the government reopened and to prevent default. I'm confident we'll be able to do both those things later today. Crucially, I'm also confident that we'll be able to announce that we're protecting the government's spending reductions that both parties agreed to under the Budget Control Act and that the president signed into law. That's been a top priority for me and for my colleagues on the Republican side of the aisle throughout this debate. And it's been worth the effort. Some have suggested that we break that promise as part of this agreement. Some have said Washington needs to spend more, that we need to raise taxes, that we need to just tax our way to prosperity and balance. But what the BCA showed is that Washington actually can cut spending. And because of this law, that's just what we've done. For the first time since the Korean War, for the first time since the Korean War, government spending has declined for two years in a row. The first time in 50 years. And we're not going back on this agreement. So they're calling that the good fight. So they fought the good fight, and that was their result, and they lived to fight another day. So those are the big wins that they got, right? Yeah. And not in full. Now You're getting around to your big – you're building me up, Chris. Well, here's what I wanted. So this – I want what I'm trying to demonstrate to you is that this – the. If you remember a clip we played last week, they were talking to each other through the media. This was about a transfer of power that had happened within the Republican Party to Rand Paul, Cruz, and other people. And the reason for it is because they acquired power through the media and then were able to push their agenda forward. Now, listen to Senator Cruz. He got in. He busted right as McConnell McConnell was going and drawing on at that same time. He busted in to, to kind of steal the limelight. And it's going to be hard for, for you to pick up on the audio version of this show. But you have to kind of listen to see how media savvy and how slick Cruz is. So all of the reporters gather around him. They're all waiting. And, and they're start, they start to ask him questions, but he just sits there and smiles and waits for all the reporters to get their cameras ready. Senator, can you tell us, do you plan to delay the vote in the Senate, and how will you? All right, hold on. Let me wait till every everyone is situated. 
So now he starts. He strikes like a heroic pose. He he puts his chest out. He he lifts his chin a little bit, and he begins ready to project. Unfortunately, once again, it appears the Washington establishment is refusing to listen to the American people. The deal that has been cut provides no relief to the millions of Americans who are hurting because of Obamacare. The deal that has been cut provides no relief to all the young people coming out of school who can't find a job because of Obamacare. Now, this is all off the cuff, whereas Reed and McConnell were reading these prepared statements written for them, right? So he's out there very savvy. I could let it play, but you saw yeah. the clip. Oh, yeah. Later on, like, they ask him follow-up questions, and then yeah. he again waits, and he, he presents, and then he does the soundbite delivery yeah, all off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's very deliberate, and if you... And if you you got to watch the video, you guys, because we have very, it linked in the show notes. He was very, very, uh, he has cadence was, was very strict. Yeah. Like he was making sure yeah. that everybody had the lenses on him. Yeah. Everybody had the microphones in the spot. Yeah. He was ready to rock. And, and like, so when, when, and when, when one reporter asked him a question, he answers it as if many people asked him that question. So, uh, one Fox news producer asked him, are you going to delay the vote? Cruz sort of poses. Are you going to filibuster the vote? Yeah, Chris right. sort of poses, puffs his chest out and says, and he and he puts his arms up in the air. Many people have asked, you know, like that. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's it was a very odd way to interact. It was very media savvy though. And this is how they gained a monopoly over the dialogue yep. through through the Rand and, and through this media savviness. So as this has sort of backfired in Cruz's face, the old dogs in the Republican Party immediately have jumped in for the attack. Literally Literally, this is before the vote is taking place. This is just, hey, Reed and McConnell have said there's a deal. Within three minutes, uh, King is on the air slamming Cruz. I said on the air. But you have to ask yourself what ultimately is accomplished. And this is Fox News, and they're bringing King on. They talk about the full faith and credit of Mm -hmm. the United States of America. Have we done anything to put ourselves in a better financial Mm -hmm. position? We're here again in another five minutes, Bill. We are. January, (laughs) February, we're here in another five minutes. Precisely right about that. Uh, Republican (laughs) Congressman Peter King's been hanging out in New York. He's on the Hill today. Sir, how are you? And good day to you. Good day. Bill, how are you doing? Uh, Let's talk about whether or not you're satisfied with this. Are you? Bill, I am. I I was against the shutdown from the start. I uh, said back in September, this was a terrible mistake. We should have kept the government open and negotiated entirely on the debt ceiling. Once the uh, government was shut down, that became the issue. And so I think this is probably the very best deal we can get right now. I hope it can be... What what about Obamacare? I mean, you all seem to loathe it, yet it remains remains intact. Yeah, absolutely. And I said that all along. You cannot defund Obamacare. And I, that's what Karl Rove was saying, what the Wall Street Journal was saying, what Charles Krauthammer was saying. It was always a fool's errand to follow Ted Cruz in thinking that somehow by shutting the government down, we could defund Obamacare. What we should do is do all we can to repeal it. We do that by electing more Republicans and a Republican president, and also by taking targeted shots at Obamacare. But the whole thought of defunding it made no sense because the votes aren't there. Yeah, the understood not that. There this- Quickly here, you mentioned Ted Cruz every time you do an interview now. What is your relationship like with him? I, I don't know Ted Cruz personally at all. I never just met him? That, never met him at all. Um, wh- why does his name keep coming up? Because he was the one who was the architect of this. He was the one who said that if the House uh, defunded Obamacare and, and shut down the government, that when it got to the Senate, he would take care of it. He's the one that's been driving this all along. He was the one who was behind the 35 or 40 supporters in the House who drove this. He's the one. Okay. He's the one who assumed responsibility. He should be responsible got also it. for the failure. Uh, we've got to run. Computer's going to cut us off. Okay, Peter Bill. King, thank you. We'll talk again real soon. I, I have breaking news. Oh, okay. Okay. 
By a vote of 220 to 102, the House passes a Senate plan to reopen the government and extend the debt ceiling. Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, so that uh, is right now. That is that is not pre-recorded. As we are, uh, that re- is that is now. As we are recording the unfiltered show, which is uh, happening now, Chase. Yes. As they say, do you want me to tune in and see if they have a feed yeah, of it? I yeah, could, yeah, I think so. Uh, all right. So while I'm doing that, I'll uh, queue up our next clip. So uh, of course, Graham had to step out and also uh, jump up all over uh, Cruz. Obamacare wasn't changed in any real measure. Our numbers went down, and if you think those polls are wrong, you're not. You're kidding yourself. The president was AWOL, I thought, during the time of national crisis. Harry Reid kept moving the goalposts when we tried to get a deal. So everybody lost. So I just don't see if you like this movie maybe a sequel's being uh, in, in in the mix now for january if we do this again in january we all should be just well i mean is this is the can just being kicked down the road here totally name one thing in this deal that changed the underlying faults in obamacare that we in a bipartisan fashion agree with name one thing in this deal that changed the course of this country becoming greece over time but this is the best mitch could do because we overplayed our hands so badly by the end we had just a pair of twos but it's not about us winning are losing, are the Democrats winning losing. It's about the country suffering under a dysfunctional system. Our system up here is completely broken, and you get second chances in life very seldom. We'll have a second chance between now and January to prove to the American people the Republican Party can govern and the Congress can uh, address the problems that face us all. Did, did those who said to their constituents, we're going to defund Obamacare, we're going we're to delay it, uh, we're, we're, and we're fundraising off it, were they lying? Uh, I, no, I don't know if they were lying. I, I'm not going to question their motives, but I know it wasn't possible. There are a lot of people sincerely upset with Obamacare, think it's bad for their business, bad for the economy, bad for the American health care system. There are a lot of people really afraid about what's going on in Washington. And to stoke their fear and to create unreasonable expectations about what you can do really is, is not the way to go. It was never possible to get President Obama to repeal, defund, or delay his signature issue. We have a small majority in the House. We have a minority in the Senate. And Obamacare, the guy who's the bill's named after, still in the White House. I never understood how this could end well for us. So <laughs> That's always what I was questioning, too. We'll tune in, let's tune by, in to- by the way, before you do that, I, uh-huh. I wanted to break down the vote because this is a little bit interesting. Uh, so on a, a, a basically, it wasn't a full vote, kind of. It was 220 yes, yeah. 102 no, 110 no vote. Wow. So uh, remember, the, the House of Representative is proportionate based upon the population of the United States. So there, you know, there's over 500 members. And 59 uh, Republican members said yes. 102 said no. 71 no voted. Or they didn't vote. Did not vote at all. Wow. Uh, Democrats, 161 uh, voted yes. Zero. Not one Democrat said no. Right. And 39 uh, and actually, uh, Eckmeyer uh, is correct. Uh, it's barely a quorum, uh, meaning that they have to have a minimum number of people yeah. to vote. And if they don't have those numbers, then they cannot actually vote. But now let's go to live coverage. Sort of tease that we had that this was almost potentially going to be done with so many different potential deals and ways out of this. And when I say this, of course, I mean not just the government shutdown, but the deadline that we are up against in an hour and 45 minutes for the U.S. to default. The fact that this is actually done uh, is 
really hard to believe, but uh, it definitely is going to take a lot of time to heal the wounds that are very raw right now here on Capitol Hill and, of course, across the country, but especially raw among and dividing Republicans right now. Uh, and in terms of negotiation- Do you feel a sense of relief a little bit? No. <laughs> I kind of do a little bit just because I mean, here's the thing we've we've I've been hitting the belt on the saying we're kicking the can down the road because yeah. we are because yeah. Yeah, we're not no, solving true. anything. No, here. I know. I know. And all this does all. I mean, this has happened twice now where we've had this argument. All right. Uh, we we stand our ground. We're not going to budge. Right. Right. And then we get down to the very last possible second where you cause economic instability. You cause stock uh, uh, to drop you you cause people to lose their jobs and be furloughed i mean in in, in our in our state washington state we have one of the this is the farthest I mean, it's, it's ever gone this is the farthest we've ever seen it go it's in 17 years yeah because it's like you you i think these guys are tempted to let it go all the way i don't know i mean so at least that's what you, I'm getting the uh, the uh, they cave though they cave yeah in they the end did. of the day I mean like uh, because so, they knew if they didn't they would lose out so worse. here we are it's officially done it's all wrapped up and you got to look at what did the Republicans actually get out of this then of course there is the whole question of Obamacare after all of this Wolf the obvious question is well did Republicans get anything any changes to Obamacare very very small very minor uh, a a provision to it's basically an anti-fraud provision to verify people's incomes if they're getting subsidies for Obamacare. And I was just told this morning that that is actually something Democrats wrote. So I think it's important to take a step back and just sort of look at where we are and and also know that is why in the halls uh, here right now you are hearing so much frustration, not just from Democrats, but from Republicans about this from their perspective, this wrong headed strategy from the get go to try to attach defunding Obamacare. Obamacare to funding the government. They knew, many Republicans say, it was never going to work. The numbers just aren't there in terms of the votes in the Senate. There's still a Democratic president. It was never going to work. And there's a lot of frustration that after all of this, there's barely any change to, to Obamacare. I mean, to say that it is minuscule is probably giving it too much credit. Right. And and I think it shows you, but what it did do, what they did accomplish is they, they rebalanced the power again in the Republican Party. Uh, back to the to the to the good old boys who were being reasonable, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of my gut feeling. Is this next go around? Now there's a committee in play that's going to be uh, responsible for some of this, and it's a rational quote unquote committee. And you know, you're not. It's not going to be uh, hijacked essentially. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, Obama said no compromises, no compromises. But they did kind of compromise. Agreement. Is there a little bit of ransom paid? I mean, there is a provision in here. That requires verification for recipients of subsidies under the Affordable Care Act. The income verification provision, a provision to which you refer, uh, was negotiated by Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans and is a modest adjustment to the existing Affordable Care Act law. Uh, we have always said we are willing to make improvements and adjustments to the law. Uh, ransom would be a wholly uh, different uh, thing. And well, it's a little bit of ransom. No, no. something that was not done if, with the gun on not the table if, or the, not if the common fund. Both sides agree to it and we support it. No, it's totally not. But it kind of was. Right. Um, and, but it seems to me the big losers here, at least temporarily, are Cruz and Boner, or Boehner. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, um, neither one of them 
will be too wear off for the worst in a year from now. I mean, so this happens now because they have in a year uh, elections to worry about. This was the perfect storm. Plus, I think the kind of the bigger picture here, too, was uh, you, can, you can hear McCain say this, Graham says, and King said it all today. Uh, now they believe that they're going to be able, they're going to have to take uh, focused laser shots at Obamacare, and they're not going to be able to do anything unless they replace Ob- uh, a Democrat in 2016. So they need a Republican in there, they believe, to fully get rid of Obamacare. That's their strategy now. And I think maybe this was a sort of a Hail Mary attempt to try to uh, really take a, a, a chunk out of Obamacare. Because if you if you can look this up on your own, but if you delay Obamacare by a year, there's a whole set of costs that kick in that sort of make Obamacare guaranteed to fail, I guess is kind of what the plan was. And so if you could delay it by a year, even if that might actually be a good case in some circumstances, if you could let everyone delay it, that could generate a massive cost that really would bankrupt the insurance companies. And so that was maybe the maybe the long term play. Plus, right. if you could if you could really damage it now, you wouldn't have to have a Republican in there. You wouldn't have the Hill dog issue they're going to have in 2016 because that means they got to beat Hillary in order to beat Obamacare. And uh, because it used to be called Hillary Care, right? <laughs> I mean, it was going to so. This was sort of like the last ditch effort where they could do it perhaps without having to have a different president. I, I, it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. Uh, so, and Boehner, I think, maybe takes the longest term hit because he, I, I, I don't know. To me, I think, I think Cruz will be able to spin this, and but I don't know about Boehner. We'll see. Now, Chase. Yes, sir. Uh, so that's all probably developed. I don't. We'll probably have a follow up story next week's show. Oh, but for I think, sure. I think it's probably where we'll leave it for now. I have. Yep. Uh, it's just an interesting thing to note. Did everybody notice that John McCain was missing, or not John McCain? John McCain started out initially, went away, and then came back at the end to really, you know, rub it in. No, uh, but Joe Biden. Yeah, Yeah. where is Joe Biden? Uh, So (laughs) part of this deal this time, if Reid was going to take point, Reid said uh, uh, Biden's got to sit out. It was it was Reid's it was Reid's doing. He said Biden's got to be on the sidelines. Uh, He screwed it up last time, and I don't want him in here. So uh, let me handle it. I'll do it. Uh, and just make sure you keep a muzzle on him through this whole thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of pull. That's well, that was the so well the so he had to stay strong to, yeah. to carry out Obama's plan. And so that was the deal he made. It's like, all right, I'll play ball. Oh. I'm gonna play ball with you, Barry, but you gotta you gotta do me the solid. Uh we have links to information about that. Also, uh, John McCain calling this one of uh, the more shameful chapters in the Senate history. And uh this is of course everybody's been piling on Cruz, so today uh uh, Senator Tr- Cruz's uh, t- home newspaper, the Houston Chronicles, says they want to withdraw their endorsement. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we have information about that in the show notes, too. And uh, uh, But uh, I thought maybe we could shift gears and uh, fry a little conspiracy bacon. Mm, now, this bacon comes live and direct from beautiful Los Angeles, California. So this started um, a couple of – this has been happening for a while, and the internet's really been freaking out about it. I just don't know what to make of it. So this is going to be like an ask the audience kind of story that we covered to get people's experience. But it starts with a story that broke after last week's episode. Two of the top nuke bosses were fired. They are among Fire. the most responsible jobs in the U.S. military. The commanders in charge of this nation's nuclear arsenal – Today, one of them was fired for alleged improper conduct. It's the second time it has happened this week. We get the story tonight from our Pentagon correspondent, Jim Miklaszewski. They are the ultimate weapons of mass destruction. U.S. Minuteman missiles, each capable of carrying a 500-kiloton nuclear warhead. The Air Force general responsible for that potentially devastating arsenal was fired today. 
He's Major General Michael Carey, commander of the 20th Air Force at F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming. He's in command of 450 Minuteman nuclear-tipped missiles and their firing crews at three separate bases in the U.S. His role uh, is, is part of carrying out the order that we hope will never come. Defense sources say an Air Force investigation found that during an official trip last summer, Kerry engaged in misbehavior that was alcohol-related. The Air Force stresses the alleged misconduct was not related to operational readiness or sexual misconduct. No comment today from General Kerry, who remains under investigation. And only two days ago, in an unrelated incident, Vice Admiral Tim Giardina, the deputy commander of all U.S. nuclear forces, was fired from his job for allegedly using counterfeit poker chips in a casino. America's nuclear mission is so critical, commanders are held to a higher standard. Uh There are no second chances. Uh In 2007, after the Air Force lost track of six nuclear-armed missiles flown by accident to an airbase in Louisiana, then Defense Secretary Robert Gates fired both the Air Force Secretary and Chief of Staff on the same day. Because these officers are dealing with nuclear weapons, there's absolutely no room for error. The military must now decide whether the two officers relieved this week can remain in the service while somebody else takes over their nuclear commands. Jim McLeshevsky, MDC News, so, the Pentagon. So, Chris, you know, this seems okay to me. I mean, this seems right, completely sure. normal right, and it's sure. no big deal. It is. What, so if it was just two, you'd be like, that's interesting. They seem like weak reasons and they seem like super important positions just to fire over those rather weak positions. But it's like uh, it's like seven commanders. I've, I don't know if I'm getting the terminology right here, but uh, seven high ranking military officers have been fired by Obama. This is the most in history. All of these are. Uh, the, the, now, this is where the conspiracy groups are going. They're oh, saying, okay. are these men... So this is more bacon. Yeah, these seven men. Here's the here's the bacon for you. Were these seven men standing between the U.S. or us and martial law? They've all been fired over various things ranging from sexual harassment to lack of trust. One thing they all had in common was their combat roles. They were all commanders of combat units. No. <laughs> no. I, I'm sorry. Unless, unless you know my 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 foster dad and many many friends that I know that work in the service, you're you need to have the trust and believability of your uh, of your commander in chief well, or commander of whom you're with. Could it just be too that like we just have a very bloated like middle management layer and top layer management levels that just need these to be are major out? generals though, Chris. These, we got a lot these, of generals. I know, but got a the, lot of commanders. But these these are top brass. This isn't like middle management brass. This is top brass. This is two stars. Let's pick this thread back up. This is two stars. A stunning chain of events. Stunning. Today, Michael Carey, Bunny the sex. two-star general responsible for the nation's three intercontinental ballistic missile wings, fired from his command. The reason? Personal misbehavior on a military business trip. This comes just 48 hours after President Obama himself relieved the number two in command over the nation's nuclear arsenal over his suspected use of counterfeit poker chips. These follow an alarming string of general officers losing their jobs this year for inappropriate behavior, misconduct, or lack of leadership. Two Marine Corps generals fired less than two weeks ago for not providing proper force protection in Afghanistan. An Army Brigadier General relieved of duty for adultery. An Army two-star general fired for groping a civilian. And in March, a Navy one-star removed for racially insensitive comments and abusive leadership. Last spring, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was so concerned about
about all the high-profile cases, he sent a letter to Pentagon brass urging a recommitment to ethical leadership. The Navy has been the most aggressive in taking its officers to task. At least 16 commanders have been fired this year. The bad news is how much this is happening, Diane. But the good news is that the services are taking action. All right, Martha Raddatz reporting in tonight. Thank you, Martha. And now the other big story out of Washington. Thanks, Martha. Thank you, Martha. I just, I just thought it was interesting to catch that story. I'd love to hear people to. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I, I, I really would like to hear more specifically from military personnel. Yeah, email us unfilled. Actually, go to the Jupiter Broadcasting contact form. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and click contact, and then choose unfilter from the drop down and let us know what you think. Chase. Yes. This is CNN breaking news. Uh, we have some breaking news here in the unfiltered news studio. Uh, it's the uh, GMO uh, Oh No segment here on the show. <laughs> And uh, you <laughs> the picked, GMO? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! You picked this up. Uh, yeah, a little. Are you, are you, are you going to play this, or or Omar just talking? Oh, about I this? could pick. I didn't. I didn't even. You know, when I went there earlier, the, it, that wasn't a clip. It was. Yeah, it, it's now clipped. Oh yeah, there yeah, it is. Good. It's, it's okay. clipped now. Yeah, here I'll. I'll uh, I will put, I'll make, make sure. The, uh, this is coming from the the Q13 Fox News affiliate of Seattle. Sweet. So there was some big news today about Initiative 522. Of course, that's the contentious measure that would require labels on genetically engineered foods. Surely you've seen all the ads with millions being spent on both sides. <laughs> yeah. This morning, State Attorney General Bob Ferguson accused the largest donor opposing the initiative of violating the state's campaign laws. By hiding its donors. Bob? G.R. Douglas was at the announcement <laughs> oh, today. It's already kind of confusing on both sides, and now the water really gets muddy. Yeah. Now, today on the hot seat, it's the Grocery Manufacturers Association <laughs> of America. Oh. That is the group that the AG has brought suit against. And that group is fighting hard to defeat I-522. They've given over $7 million so far to the anti-GMO, as it's called, labeling effort. Now, among other things, the group argues that would raise food costs for consumers. Now, today, the attorney, the attorney general said this group is required to disclose to the public where it got all that money, that $7 million. I mean, what <laughs> food companies, what Hi. grocery stores have ponied up to defeat Initiative 522? Where is that coming from? The GMA from? explicitly attempted, in their own words, to shield members from criticism for yep, opposing exactly. Initiative 522. Yeah. This is precisely the conduct our state campaign disclosure laws are designed to prevent. Right. Now, Ferguson argues it's the largest case in state history of someone or some group skirting disclosure laws, and he's ordering that the GMA immediately turn over the names of its donors or face what he says would be substantial fines. Mm, wow. The violation is significant. $7.2 million is an awful lot of money to conceal from the public when they're making a decision about an initiative. And the people of the state of Washington feel strongly about disclosure through our campaigns. That's why we're bringing this action, and that's why we want to make sure we send a message of deterrence as well for future violators. Now, today, supporters of I-522, they applauded the lawsuit and demanded that the no ads, which are being financed by all this money, be taken off the air. I think that the GMA and the No on Five Two Two campaign is anti-transparency. They just don't what? want people to know who's funding their campaign, just like they don't want us to know what's in our food. <laughs> this afternoon, the Grocery Manufacturers no Association they issued a statement in response to the lawsuit. Here's what it reads: okay. GMA is surprised to learn that Washington state authorities viewed the association's actions as improper. GMA <laughs> will review its actions in Washington state and relevant statutes and continue to cooperate. 
with the state authorities fully <laughs> That's a non-answer. as promptly <laughs> yeah, big as time. possible. Now, the attorney general today made clear that this is not a suit against the no on 522 right, campaign yeah. directly. Rather, it's a, it's a case against one of its biggest donors, one of its biggest contributors. However, clearly this is all bad news for the campaign in the middle of this heated and expensive election season. It shows you how much is riding on this. Yeah, I, uh, there, here's some background. So back in 1972, uh, Washington state voters passed something called Initiative 276. And what that entailed is transparency and openness in elections. What they're looking for here is they cannot use an organization or an association like the GMA right. to basically be like shielded a, from shielded yeah. from who it's like a proxy. Right. Right. So they have to uh that seven point two, who is donating that money? Because right. remember it's an association. It's not yeah. you know, it's not a not know, a company. Right. So they they need to know. Um, and that's why they followed suit. Now one thing I'm I'm a little shocked about, and and this is where I'm actually I'd like to see like the attorney general, at least of our state. I don't know about the states that, or, or countries that you guys live in, uh, but uh, it's a partisan office here in Washington State. Mm. He's a Democrat, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I know typically Democrats have been leaning towards the no side on these issues. Yeah, uh, especially when you look at the the Congress uh, passing legislation nationally uh, to allow Monsanto. Uh, you know specific yeah. things to get through. So when you see a uh, a Democratic attorney general saying this is against the law, this is but wrong. Is. Yeah, yeah, it is. He could have not, he could have brought suit on this afterwards. Oh, he could he could have just sat on it. The for voters a while. need to know though, right? Right. So you got to know. You got to do it well. Right. So- but I mean, he could have sat on it, and then he said, "Oh yeah." Uh, yeah. If he would have done that, see, the way I see it is if he would have w- sat on it, I would have seen that as a profit grab. Now, uh, Eric Meyer in the chat room says the newest no ads states that it's funded mo- by Monsanto. And actually, the no ads and the yes ads both state their top five contributors. And the thing is, a part of the top five group on the no side says GMA, Monsanto, DuPont, mm. Bayer, I believe Bayer Corporation's on there. So the the problem here is Monsanto is putting its money in separately. They're putting it in as a company, but the GMA is representing grocers. They're, they're representing, uh, say, like, a, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just saying, like, uh, Safeway or Albertsons, you know, groups like that. So they're they're hiding under a proxy and, and right now we I, we just the voters need to know full disclosure here that's all here i think this is the latest ad here i'll play because it's only 30 seconds so why don't i just play it because so this is this is a no on five two so this ad. would be a monsanto funded one this <laughs> agriculture is crucial to our economy here in washington but i-522 would impose costly new i think we've played this washington farmers i think so no but now, when it gets to the end no other or at least near the end you should see the fine print on the ad. farmers and oh they don't say it no oh, okay well i won't play the whole thing then yeah no but i mean the, the, he they don't say just vote no on 522 and then at, in in the fine print yeah, it tells so you you got to read it yeah. well it's interesting to watch it happen here and then report on well, it well remember it happened it did happen in oregon uh-huh. it had i or i think it did I know it for sure happened in California, uh-huh, uh-huh. and at the last second, the the uh, the uh, the anti-labeling campaign squeaked out a win. Uh, it was it was trending sixty forty in the other direction, 
Um, yeah. And right now, I haven't seen the latest polls on this. So our, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. Our first email is re- regarding the GMO yeah. labeling. So I thought that we would just uh, tuck and roll right into that because it, kind of con- yeah. it kind of fits with the conversation. So uh, this came in from Jason, and he writes in, Hello, this is Jason Rutherford Hello, Jason. from Rochester Hills, Michigan again. I don't think I ever expected to play the libertarian card, but I think that the best way to handle the GMO labeling is uh, I think that this is the best way to handle the GMO, uh, GMO labeling at okay, this what time. Is it? He said, currently, there's no evidence that GMO crops are harmful to humans, animals, or to the environment. Perhaps in the future that might change, but right now the science is saying they're fine. The patent and legal issues surrounding them is a separate issue. If you prefer not to eat GMO products because of these legal issues, then that is perfectly fine. Therefore, why require products to be labeled as GMO? Companies that produce products without GMO ingredients can put a nice, big, smiley, fun sun sun sticker on the front of the package stating the fact. If a product does not have this labeling, assume that it contains GMO products. (laughs) This would be as similar to a no high fructose corn syrup stickers that are popular now. Actually, I've never seen those. Oh, come on. I haven't. Really? Yeah, seriously. I I don't know. I haven't seen them. Uh, You see it mostly on breads and stuff like that. Uh, no high fructose corn syrup on bread. Yeah, because that's like a big deal now. That I know. Some, yeah. I've no, I, well, I've seen the no GMO on bread, but not okay. high, high okay. fructose. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, I think that companies which use GMO ingredients are scared of labeling for at least two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, most people don't know what GMO means. Instead of doing things like making crops more drought resistant, GMO makes people think of things like the Simpson scene where Lisa's potato was eating the carrot. Yeah. <laughs> Two, if individual states start making different labeling requirements for GMO products, it would be one more complex logistical nightmare for companies to deal with. That is all. Thanks for the ex- excellent show. He makes a, a pretty good point. There's a couple points I want to rebuttal okay. back. All right. Uh, first off, I would love to see independent. The keyword here is independent. Because independent science, uh, because a lot of these studies, whether for or against, if you follow the money, typically are funded by the yes or no campaigns. Yeah, right. So I would want to see independent studies. Surprisingly little of it. And that's the problem because no one wants to pay for these studies. Yeah, and they're really the companies that do always tend to skew towards. Well, and the the companies that could provide them access to do the testing to their stuff don't want to provide access. So it's tough. The, the 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 other thing too is on the ingredients and stickers things. Uh, typically, what happens is the reason why they're fighting it so hard in this state is because if it does pass here, um, and I know there's probably going to be lawsuits, but let's say it passes and it happens, they're just going to make that the standard across the country. Right. They're not going to make something special for Washington right. State. No. And then change it for the rest of, course of the country. Not. Of course not. Um, and remember, it's not just about our perceptions either. One thing you got to realize is, and this happened in the state of Oregon. Remember, we talked about the farmer who uh, his crops, I think, I don't know if they're apples or corn or whatever, and he, uh, a lot of his crops were sold overseas. And once they found out that his farm, which was supposed to be organic, right, right. had GMO quantities because of seeds that blew onto his farm, they wouldn't take his crop. So, so I, it's not just us. I mean, okay, so I can kind of see, though, I mean, let the market kind of figure it out. So, uh, I mean... But it's hard to. But I I like the idea of people who don't want to buy GMO don't, and people who don't care buy it, and then we just, we'll just see what happens in 10, 20 years. Um, But at the same time, what's happened to me in my local uh, um, uh, micro economy here is my local independent grocer is closing down because they opened a Walmart literally just right up the street. Right. 
And um, so now I can't buy groceries from the independent grocer who might have had a no GMO policy. Yeah. And I can only buy it from Walmart. Well, and the other thing, too, is you can't – this is a very dangerous precedent if you're saying, well, if they don't label that it's GMO-free, then you must assume that it has GMO. That's not – you can't do that either. I mean that's – well, you didn't specify that you're not a criminal, and Chris, so therefore you must be a rapist. The other argument is, is well, people are afraid of the GMO brand and label. People okay. see GMO and they get afraid. But you That know, sounds like an education I issue. Actually, well, I would argue that more people are afraid of the Monsanto brand than they are of the GMO brand. Right. Because they know of Monsanto, their involvement with uh, Vietnam. They know of Monsanto as the patent trolls. They know of Monsanto as the GMO people. And yet they're – Not just the patent trolls, but the, the, the lobbying uh, company who tries to get custom laws passed just for them. Uh, but yet they are slapping their name all over these campaigns. Yeah. And I, so I don't know if I totally buy that argument either. I think there's some more legitimacy to that argument, but I think in the long run, uh, it's like have it's like putting the ingredients on the can of the of a can of soda. That's kind of how I see it. So I just and you say, have a lot of companies that are trying to get ingredients off the list so they don't have to publish. Like we've we've heard of arguments where uh, some people who use high fructose corn syrup are saying, ah, it's just sugar. Can we just call it sugar right. because of the negative connotations of high fructose corn syrup? So eh. the last email is about the, the USA's new girlfriend. Oh, USA's got a new girlfriend. USA's new girlfriend is hot. This came in from Dave. Chris. Chris. What? Your comments about the U.S. looking at Africa as a new potential girlfriend made me laugh out loud. And I think you will may be right. (laughs) But everyone knows that someone has been grooming her for about a decade at least. It just so happens to be that silent kid who is built like a cow shed and hung like a donkey. (laughs) What? (laughs) Everyone besides everyone knows that he can be a real mean he can be real mean, and he's real hungry for some ass. Wow. I lived in East Africa for a few years, and China has made serious investments in Africa for at least the last decade and a half. That's for sure. China was laying down serious infrastructure, roads, ports, airfields, power, while the Western world could only think of Africa in terms of famine and HIV and AIDS. Yes, this is one of the areas why I think I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe this is why China also has a lead on us in manufacturing because they're getting a lot of these, you know, essential minerals that they yeah. need that people need to build iPhones out of and things like that. And so I've heard that one of the other stumbling blocks to like moving cell phone manufacturing and things like that into the U.S. Although obviously it can be done because the Moto X is being built in the U.S. Uh, but I, what I have heard is that some of those stumbling blocks are actually getting some of the minerals they need and things like that. And that China already has established um, um, uh, mining operations in Africa. And they wow. have for a long time. Wow. Yeah. So it's something to think about when uh, we make a pivot. Over pivot! There, as we pivot, yeah. Well, it's been a big show, Chase. It's been a big week. Huge. And, of course, there is one place people can visit throughout the week. That's right. You can head over to our uh, place on the interwebs, unfilter.reddit.com, where you can actually submit stories. Vote them up. Vote them down. Join in the discussion. And you can also submit your comments. So you've, you uh, you said... Chris, I'm on fire. That's all I got to say. Uh, last week, I said... Uh, you wanted 900 subs, and I said you, you can't... You said, shut up. You can't get that. You're crazy. You can't get that. We got there. What? 907. 
yeah. blew right past 900. We so blew it. What do you want to make as your prediction for this week? Well, I, I like these numbers. I forget the word, it, what they are, same frontwards and backwards. What is it? What's that the, word? The, yeah, the, the, the palad, paladine. Paladine. Shoot, I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. 919. 919 is my prediction. 919. So I want to keep the streak going. 919. 919. Can you believe my story has 31 upvotes? That's I think, awesome. I think that's like the, the highest. <laughs> So, Chase, where can people find you throughout the week? Maybe if they want to check in on you, see what you're up to. Well, uh, now, in that post, I said about.me slash newness, N-U-N-E-S. And you could definitely do that. Or you could head over to my place on the internet, chasenewness.com. That's got my Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google+, YouTube, Reddit, and Flickrs. I also do uh, gaming and geek podcasting. Pow! Geekgamer.com. TV. Very nice. I'd like to recommend people go check out my amaziness over twitter.com slash Chris Elias. Yeah, I was going to say, what does that do? What I do tell people that? about show schedule changes, news events, reply to questions in 140 you characters or less. You actually reply? Sometimes. Wow. I try to. I try to at least read everything. You, 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 you passed me on followers, by the way. You have over 6,000 followers. Yay. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't really. I, I've never even noticed, but uh. thank you. All right, well, Chase, that wraps up. Don't forget, you what? can join the Unfiltered Show live over at jblive.tv. And I want to thank everyone for tuning this week's episode of Unfiltered. We'll see you right back here next week. week.